The importance of the physical and emotional health of our first responders should never be second-guessed. Having a community of support for police, fire, and EMS is more critical today than ever before. Welcome to the Wellness Equation podcast, powered by Provicta and Health Partners, a first-of-its-kind place where first responders and their families can get the support they need to keep themselves and their communities healthy and strong. Hi, hello, everyone. I'm Andy Skugman, host of the Wellness Equation podcast. It's no secret, first responders have a stressful gig. They run toward trouble, not away from it. They put themselves in harm's way every day and over the course of a career have to deal with many horrific tragedies. These events accumulate and can take a heavy toll on mental health. We also know that most first responders only seek help when their lives come crashing down. Alcohol abuse, divorce, depression, PTSD, anxiety, and sometimes suicide. But is there a way to build resiliency to this stress, to make yourself mentally tougher, to prevent stress from building up and breaking us down? In episode two of the Wellness Equation podcast, we explore this issue with Provicta's Marie Ridgway. She's a master's level mental health therapist, trauma treatment specialist, and she and her staff work with about 15 public safety agencies here in Minnesota. Well, Marie, recently mental health care is being talked about in public safety, but that certainly hasn't always been the case, and there are still barriers. Talk a little bit about how we can cut down this stigma. So for first responders, I like to explain it like this. Everyone essentially has a container. The container starts to accumulate all the stressful experiences that we never really dealt with at the time that they happened. So instead of thinking that something is wrong with you or, you know, something is really off, I like to boil everything down to stress exposure and stress accumulation. And I think this kind of visual helps. So the situations where there was a feeling of powerlessness or helplessness, where a victim was maybe somebody you could relate to somehow, where the gruesome or life-threatening images stuck around, you can still see pieces of those scenes. Those are the things that can um, start to accumulate in that container and um, start to stick around and cause secondary problems that that are uncomfortable um, and that cause people to wonder if this is the way that they have to continue to function. So instead of uh, mental health care having the stigma around it um, and all the negative connotations with it, I like to just scale it all back to really how it does often just boil down to stress uh, for first responders. Previously, the usual mode of operating has been to kind of set it aside or even shove it or just do your best to move on. Sometimes that's just the way you have to do it if you have to get to the next call get to the next um the next thing on your list um but there there either isn't time to process it or it hasn't been culturally culturally acceptable to process how something felt um so the the scenario that was experienced was can essentially be overwhelming um and we may not have known previously how to process those things we know that sleep helps the REM cycles do a great job kind of clearing out um, what has built up in us. Exercise, of course, clears out adrenaline. It brings in the feel-good hormones. We've known all of that. Um, we know better and better all the time how connecting with others helps, calms the stress response. 
these are some of the basics that um, we've known but haven't necessarily taken a forefront. So um, really a lot of mental health does come down to basics. And so I think it can also help remove stigma to just know that this is a lot of what it's about. Um, how can we get somebody sleeping better again, having the motivation to exercise when you address the stress, a lot of those things come back into play. And then you can go back to feeling how you used to and functioning um, really efficiently like you used to. So talk about stress, right? First responders, police, fire, they deal with a lot of stress daily basis. They understand that. They know that going into it. Um, But how can they um, realize or understand that they're experiencing stress injury or stress accumulation? How would they know that? Yeah, so I would say it essentially uh, comes down to a few things to watch for. Overall, you can tell a lot by how you're sleeping and how well you can regulate your emotions. So if you are feeling much more irritable or easy to anger than you'd like, a feeling of numb can even be part of it, um, which is very different than feeling neutral. Um, Disrupted sleep is a big one. Having unwanted images or kind of the replaying of scenes is a problem to keep an eye on. And then nightmares is certainly a sign that there are, you know, unprocessed emotions that have built up, frequent stress headaches. There can be those physical signs. And then if you are using something unhealthy like alcohol to try to calm down or sleep pretty regularly, that's another sign as well that you're you're maybe just paying that minimum payment on the debt um, and not actually getting to the heart of it. So the last thing I'll say is if somebody who knows you well is pointing out a change, I would pay a lot of attention to that because sometimes these things creep up really slowly and you may not notice it, but people who know you and care about you will. So I would always trust that as well. So Marie, how can a mental health provider help in these situations? So what I would say the main thing a mental health care provider can help you with is problem solving, tracing back the unwanted ways you're feeling to core experiences that likely cause the shift to start that you're feeling. Like I said, some of these things can happen little by little over time, and it's hard to know exactly where they came from, and those aren't always very conscious things that we're aware of, but it's something that someone who has that trained ear can, um, can listen for and, and ask the right questions to get at. Once that starts to unfold you can actually go back and process some of what never was um, kind of worked through anything you try to go around or skip over um, I always say ends up coming out sideways so those are usually what people start to notice or what others notice about someone who is struggling and that's what can be done so there's a number of ways to do that one of them is with eye movement therapy Um, I love getting to talk about that i'm sure anyone who's heard me speak before has heard about it um, because it is so efficient and effective and especially with first responders there's high motivation to to problem solve and to make changes so that a person is feeling better and on their way and it can really help somebody move quickly towards that so art or accelerated resolution therapy has been um, by far the number one kind of modality that we use in our practice um, with lots of luck. 
so we're launching this podcast or this podcast is out uh, in the midst of a pandemic. And um, we know that um, uh, there are added challenges for first responders with the pandemic, the unknown um, going into uh, and inter- going into homes, interacting with people um, that either are COVID-19 positive or maybe are symptomatic. Um, talk about the added challenges um, of COVID-19 for first responders in and their families. Yeah, absolutely. So we're clearly experiencing a physical health threat, but it's also, of course, a, a psychological threat as well. So managing the fear, worry, the strain of the situation, it takes a lot out of everyone. And, and they're, you know, by this point in it, um, people are probably noticing there's kind of phases to it in how everyone is adjusting and feeling as it goes on. Um, so for first responders and their families specifically, there's, you know, as with, is with everyone, there's often financial challenges, schedule changes and challenges, child care issues, education stuff. We're all now suddenly teachers from home if we have kids and teens. Um, but there's that added layer of risk to each emergency call that any responder has to go to in person. So knowing that you or if your loved one is a first responder, has to be out in the community and going into homes with strangers when otherwise we're being told not to do any of that and to keep a distance that's of course the the added stress there so at home um because of that there can be different ways that that partners will cope um and different degrees to which anyone will feel affected by what's going on and this can cause tension between couples if they don't cope in the same way or if they don't feel an equal effect so that, those are some of the ways I'm seeing it play out. Um, and with the, the added piece of, of first responders having to deal with so much change in, you know, the schedule, the types of calls, patterns of, you know, just a lot of busy, busy times and then a lot of downtime and boredom mixed with isolation because of the measures that are, of course, being taken to try to keep everybody safe. Um, those seem to be the main things that are going on. Final question around resiliency. We've heard a lot about it. We talk a lot about it. Um, it's one of those goals, I think, that we all have to be uh, more resilient, have a resilient mindset. How, how is that? How is that accomplished? How is that accomplished today uh, in the midst of the pandemic? And how is that um, on a day-to-day basis? How, how do we do that? Yeah, so just um, a basic way to explain a way to uh, kind of a starting point with this would be to think about the goal being to feel as calm and grounded as you can, even in the face of all of this. I mean, this is unprecedented type stuff we're going through. And so if you can achieve that, maybe then even the goal could be to have that calm and grounded feeling so much so that you can be that for your loved ones as well. Um, all the better if you're able to get there. But but the way to get there is essentially dialing into what you can uh, and cannot control. So what you can still take control of, um, see how much of that there is, that would boil down to your thoughts, actions, attitude, effort, um, having feeling as prepared and organized as you can, having healthy routines that you lean on heavily. And if you haven't had them before, um, now is a great time to start. And those are, of course, related to the basics, sleeping, exercise, nutrition, hydration, all of those good things, but also connection, 
Um, we are just inherently to our core social beings. And so that's for a lot of people, one of the hardest things right now and finding ways as leaders to help your, um, your employees stay connected and communicating in whatever ways are safe and, you know, creative to do, I would say is really important. And then, um, for, for individuals yourselves to stay connected in whatever ways you can, um, to keep up a sense of, of support and, and belonging, whether you're at work or at home. Marie Ridgway, thanks for your time and for sharing your expertise. Yeah, thank you so much. This podcast is written and produced by the Minnesota Chiefs of Police Association and is brought to you by Health Partners and Provicta. Strong minds, strong bodies, strong communities. Learn more at provicta.com and healthpartners.com backslash care. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share this episode wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and stay well. Stay well.